Hello and welcome to Embolden, a podcast for the modern spiritual woman seeking to uplevel their life and be beautifully bold. I'm your host, Jess Carreri, spiritual businesswoman, intuitive mentor, and founder of Jala Collective. I am here to bring you conversations to embolden you to embody your highest self, create the life of your dreams, and come home to your divinity. If you are ready for some juicy downloads, inspiring conversations, and aha moments, you are in the right place. Thank you so much for being with me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, my love, and welcome to the very first guest interview podcast episode for Embolden, the podcast with Jess Carreri. I am so excited that my very first guest is the beautiful Dan, founder of SheWoke, who I will introduce in just a moment. But first, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in to the first couple of episodes of this podcast. Those of you who have shared it, sent it love, sent me love, reviewed. I am just on top of the world right now and really, really, really grateful for you and for this community and to be able to put this podcast out in the world and have it received in such a beautiful way. I have to admit that I was so nervous about putting this out into the world. I had to overcome a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of fear and limiting self-beliefs that were holding me back, kind of like, you know, stories of who's going to listen to it, no one's going to resonate and all that sort of stuff and, and really had to do some deep inner work around that. I'm so glad I did because I am seeing the exact opposite of those negative, you know, fear-based thoughts. I'm seeing people reaching out and saying, oh my gosh, so resonated. Thank you for sharing. Or your voice is so soothing, which is so good because I was like, what if my voice is just horrible to listen to? (laughs) Like, what if no one wants to hear this? Um, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means the absolute world. But without further ado, let's announce today's guest. Today's guest is the beautiful Danielle, founder of SheWoke. Dan and I met in the Spiritual Business Mistress Mind, which was led by our beautiful business mentor, Beck Cazillo. And Dan's energy and her offerings and being a part of her Instagram community has been so incredible. She is such a power to behold, a woman to just witness in her true authenticity. Like just following her is absolutely inspiring. Um, So having this conversation was just a blessing and I know you're going to get so much from it. Dan is an embodiment coach, priestess of movement and lover of radical authenticity. She works with women across the globe to help them turn their scars into their superpowers, fearlessly tear off the layers and worship their fears 
mysterious feminine power. Danielle is a contemporary and embodied dance teacher, student and teacher of yoga, and a breathwork facilitator. She lives on the Sunshine Coast of Australia with her boys and fur babes, and I am so excited for you to be witness to this woman's magic and power. Ah, This conversation was such a joy to have. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed being a part of it, and... Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello, my love, and thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited for our conversation. I just can feel like it's going to be a juicy one, as it always is when we converse. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love having big, beautiful, juicy chats with you. So when, you know, when we sort of discussed this and this little spark of an idea was birthed I was like this is going to be one beautiful flowy juicy opulent conversation I can't wait for it I love it I love it it is I'm sure it is going to be I'm yeah I'm so excited um my love for those listening that have never had the pleasure of interacting with you or being in your space I would love if you could share a little bit about your story about your journey what it is you do the floor is yours just introduce your beautiful self to my community pretty please <laughs> you might regret opening the floor to me I love <laughs> talked about this before we came on air about how much I love chatting and you love chatting but So to give you the shorter version, my name is Dan. I am an embodied life and business coach. So I work with women who are at that stage in their life where they are really looking for more and they're just ready to level up, but they don't quite know exactly what that looks like or how that's going to unfold. Really what I do, I'm I'm this big advocate for radical authenticity So for a long, long portion of my life, I really felt like I was, you know, as many women are living as a people pleaser and doing all the things that I thought I had to do and should do and really very little of the things that brought me pure joy and purpose and passion. And so once I really started to unearth and uncover that, I was like, right, that's what I want for other women. So that's what I do. And when I first started working with embodiment, um, not all that long ago really now, um, I was really working with women to just uncover their own personal journey. And then I started to realise that as I worked with women, the more they started to unearth their own beautiful wisdom, unearth their soul gifts, really figure out who they were and what they were here for, they wanted to then take it out into the world and share it. And so it had this natural evolution then of them wanting to be space keepers themselves or take it into some sort of beautiful soulful business and share those gifts with the world. You know, like you know yourself when you've unearthed what it is that you're all about, you want to just scream it from the rooftop. Yes. So this natural evolution of embodied business then um, sort of took hold and now I just feel like I am absolutely in the pocket of where I'm meant to be. So, you know, and I bring this to life through all sorts of different ways, but um, embodied movement is my big love. So we weave that through 
just about everything we do in my courses and my workshops and my one-on-one experiences, whatever it is, that has a big part of what I do. So yeah, that's a little little bit of a backstory. I love that. And I I so deeply resonate and just admire the focus on embodiment. Like you mentioned, you're an embodiment like life coach like it's not just a life coach you're embodied and encouraging others to be embodied and I think that's so important and and the weaving of that embodied movement is so important I think it's something that is definitely becoming more um considered in the space of like mentoring and coaching and all of that like self-development we're moving less from like the mind and more like also considering our beautiful bodies that hold so much wisdom. And I just feel that you have such a gift of showing up fully embodied and encouraging and inviting women to also step into that space. So it's just absolutely incredible. You mentioned before something that I want to touch on because I think that a lot of listeners are going to resonate I resonate with it so much of moving from that people pleasing tendency. So doing things that don't really fulfill us or feel good even, but it's almost like a should. And it's like a expectation. And oftentimes it's something we've just adopted ourselves. Like for me anyway, I know my deep people pleasing tendencies, like there was definitely influences, but it was like, I kind of just picked it up and was like, this is my life now. (laughs) And I love to talk to women, especially about how they have moved through that. And I'd love to just kind of get your perspective on how embodiment really helped you to shift out of that state and really find yourself in this beautiful pocket, like you said, of where you're really in your soul gift, doing your soul work with women that are like soulmate clients, like how... How has that, how has embodiment helped that? And do you have any advice or wisdom to share around that? Because I think it's it's really, really common in this, in today's world for imposter syndrome and, and people pleasing and, you know, sacrificing our self-worth and love for the sake of others. It's, it's rampant. Mm. So I think it's an important conversation. It really is an important conversation and it's a really good question. For me, it was a quite a big and a long evolution. So I'm 42, so it's, you know, it's not like this sort of just happened yesterday for me, but it um, it magnifies, right, over time, you know, this, this understanding of who I am and this greater capacity to hold space for myself and be authentic and all of these things, but... So I was married, my ex-husband and I got married quite young and then I had my first job at 24. Mm-hmm. I also ran a business at that time as well too. I was a dance teacher, I had a dance school and so I was ticking all the boxes of doing all the things that I thought I should do. I grew up in a really small country town. I was an only child. So, you know, there were these sort of, I guess, unspoken expectations about the sort of things that you did and um, you know, and I, I'm not blaming out a beautiful child. I love my parents and I love my children and, you know, all of those things, everything happened in order. I was in all of the right places at all of the right times, right? But I think it took a long time to actually feel 
like me. Mm. And it probably started really, excuse me, probably really started in the last 10 years. I think that this is, this real unearthing has taken place. And it had a lot to do with a very long, very dark night of the soul. But to answer your question in regards to embodiment and how that's helped is I've always moved my body in some capacity or other. You know, I can't remember not dancing. I was really little when I started. And so I moved to where I live now and sold my dance school and took on a different business altogether and I stopped moving my body. Mm. And that was where life, you know, coincidentally lots of other things started to happen in my life that, um, that took me on a bit of a journey. But it took me a long time to realise that part of the reason I didn't feel like myself any longer or felt so discombobulated and disconnected from myself is I wasn't moving my body at all, you know, not even exercising, you know. So I've always practised some sort of an embodiment, but I didn't really know what it was or that that's what it was called. And so I guess returning to that, really started with yoga. So I started training as a yoga teacher and then I opened a yoga school and I started to feel, you know, more like myself. I'd done a lot of work by then, inner work. I'd come through and out the other side of this big, you know, darkness and shadow exploration. And then, so yoga really helped me to tap into it, but it was actually starting to dance again that I was like, oh, that's who you are. That's wow. Who. And it was in moving and just like even when I was teaching yoga, I used to weave my dance into it. So I remember apologising actually when I first opened my yoga studio. I do yoga differently to everybody else, I used to say, because I'd get them in a pose and then I'd get them to move in it rather than hold the pose. I'd get them to explore it and get into their joints and get all juicy and creative with it. And then I realised, actually, this is probably not what people want in yoga and maybe I should focus more on that. And I gave myself permission to do that for a little bit. Then life changed again and, mm. and here I am doing this. But it has been a really great portal to an even deeper self-exploration. I'm a big brain nerd. I don't know heaps about it, but I love the science of the brain. I love finding out about the different parts of the brain and what they do and then being able to look at that from a whole body situation and really connect mind, body, spirit with that and look at how that part of the brain and how we can move our body to access that even deeper, like it's just the coolest thing ever. And so really being able to weave that into what I do for myself in my own practices has been just truly magical. Oh, that's in, that's absolutely magical just to hear all of that. And I, I think there's going to be so many little bits and pieces of wisdom that people can take even just from that. And myself, I was reflecting when you were saying like, you know, you ticked the boxes, right? Like you, you, you know, did the kids and the marriage and the dance school and all this sort of stuff. And it's like that unspoken expectations. Cause I don't think, I don't know if anyone these days is sat down and said like, you must do this by this age. It's, it's like, it is very much an unspoken 
like expectation of, of what we should achieve and where we should be at certain points in our lives. And it reminded me of, um, it's in one of Rebecca Campbell's books and I can't remember if it's, I think it's Rise, Sister, Rise. And I was reading, reading it and she shares that one of the best pieces of advice she ever got was don't chase flags. And the flags being like, I've captured this flag, I've, I've got a job, like I have a career. And then the next flag is like, I've had a baby by this age and the next flag is this. Because there's going to be a point where you've got all of the flags and there's nothing left for you to do. Like there's nothing left for you to tick. There's no box left to tick. There's no flag left to catch. And that's when people go through the like, you know, a, a life crisis, whether it's a dark night of the soul, midlife crisis, whatever you want to label it as, of they're like, oh, my God, I've done everything that life or society or I thought I should do. And here I am still completely like not feeling how I thought I would feel in the end of it. So I think it's so beautiful to like hear that reflected in your own story and just have that kind of reiterated of though it's so tempting (laughs) to do that, to like tick the boxes because it does feel good in the moment, like that instant gratification of like that kind of hair flick of like, I've done this at this age, I've accomplished this, look at me go. But like, the real key is, is not doing things for that little flag or for that tick in the box. It's like, let's do things because they feel good and they're fulfilling and that's going to make all the difference. And also, I just think your story of like, you know, doing yoga differently and the fact that embodiment was always a part of your life, like in, in some way it was always there, I think is so special because I believe that's the case with all of our soul gifts, right? Which is a question I want to talk about in just a second. But I feel like our soul gifts are always there, like underlying. And then one day or, you know, over a few months or years or whatever, we start to realize like, oh, this thing that's always been a part of my life has actually got so much to do with something that's going to fulfill me, right? Mm -hmm. And embodiment for you, like for dance and then yoga dancing, by the way, I want to take one of your dancing yoga classes. That sounds amazing. (laughs) But like, so I think that leads me so beautifully into my next question is like, you're so such an advocate, as you said, for like people uncovering their soul gifts and really coming home to their fullest expression. I think when we talk about soul gifts or even purpose, like when you talk about purpose, I think it feels kind of heavy for some because it feels like it has to be this big defining thing, right? And I love how you speak about soul purpose and uncovering it in a really accessible and empowering way. So for you, what is your idea of a soul gift? Like, do you feel like we have many? I'd just love to hear your perspective on on soul gifts and and your perspective on uncovering them and and just all of that. Yeah, well, I think the two, like the past question and this one weave together so beautifully because we're so, we're always looking for this external gratification, right, which is part of the box ticking that we talked about before. And for women particularly, this happens a lot. I'm sure it does for men too in a different way. 
not to leave them out of the picture because it's not a competition but no (laughs) we are we are looking for this external gratification and we do without it sounding woo we have everything that we need within us and we do Mm. have these innate gifts and so you're right I do I talk a lot about purpose but I talk a lot more about soul gifts because really it's kind of one in the same but purpose does seem heavy and so many people get myself included for so many years what am I here for? Like, what am I meant to do with my life? You know, I I knew that I wanted to do something that created impact, but I focused so much on what that was. And I kept, well, I'll try this. And I did graphic design for a bit and then I did photography and then I did something else. And I was ticking more and more boxes trying to figure out what on earth that was. Oh, I'm good at this. I should try and do that for a career. Or I'm good at this. I should try and do that. When in fact, I wasn't actually trying to access the deeper part of me that knew all along that was kind of going, oh, we'll just wait around until she figures it out. It's here <laughs> always. And these gifts, like you can watch little children. We talked about this before, you know, we came on air and, and little children are so good at connecting with their intuition, but they're also very good at knowing what their gifts are, what their strengths mm. are. And when you watch them, you can see little children really honing in on their soul gifts from a young age they know what lights them up there's no question of it but through various different things programming and society and all sorts of other different box ticking exercises we lose that connection with our intuition and we lose that connection with our soul gifts now your soul gifts are always there with you they grow they change they evolve as you do right but sometimes we can, and we, and we know we have them because we say things like, I'm a really good listener or, you know, I'm really good at this or whatever. And it's like, well, okay, hone into that listening. Why is it that you're good at that? Is it because you're, you know, empathic? Is it because, you know, you are really good at holding space? What is it? Go even deeper. So I think it's finding that little spark of joy because they're so interconnected, right? The things that bring you joy are very much attached to what your soul gifts are. And then dig deeper, go deeper and go deeper and go deeper. And you will find that the thing that is lighting you up, bringing you joy and making your soul sing and you feel like you're alive, guaranteed that is your soul gift, whatever that is. And it might seem like it's absolutely freaking bonkers to the rest of the world your soul might be you know dancing around in the mud or I don't know it might be something (laughs) crazy but that's that's your soul gift whatever it is go deeper and find what that is you know it's Mm. um, yeah it's pretty magnificent our souls have this like blueprint right I'm sure of it that we have this um you know greater sense of what we're here to to fulfill and and if we leave that on the shelf and we don't really tap into those gifts and we don't really allow that intuition to speak to us then we're sort of just like we're kind of in the paddling pool I reckon we're just kind of splashing around in the kiddie pool and we're not going deep we're not diving into all of the juicy bits Mm. and now that sometimes means that we're going to go through some some icky bits and some shitty bits and some bits that don't feel as shiny as the others, you know, a dark night of the soul or whatever it is. But that's where the good stuff lies because it's in those sometimes adventures into the shadow that we get really, really comfortable with our soul gifts. 
because we go through tough times and we do difficult things and we realise that we have this skill, this gift, and somewhere that creates a spark of joy or it gets us through a tough time, you know, so they're interconnected. It's people will often find, myself included, that these gifts become exceptionally magnified in periods of darkness or periods of challenge or tribulation or trial. That's where the magic happens. And as I touched on before, the reason that I weave embodied life and business together is that it seems to be this natural evolution. We come through this, you know, period of deep growth and then we unearth all this juicy stuff and then we take it out and share it. So beautiful. I'm having to like stop myself from like going "Mm," all the time because every time you say something, I'm like, yes, yes. I'm just like sitting here like profusely nodding (laughs) at everything you're saying. And I feel like, you know, that going deeper, it almost feels like you're like digging for treasure, right? Like you might have to dig through some pretty deep mud or like hard soil. It might feel like, what am I doing this for? But, but trusting that going deeper is going to lead you to that treasure, which may be your soul gift or like a lesson that you have to uncover. It's just so powerful. That was just the visual that came through when you were sharing that. And I also want to touch on the piece about like children, because that's so evident in my life. Like I look at kids as just being like pure expressions of joy. They are so unapologetically and fiercely doing whatever the heck feels good and nothing else. Like a child is not going to do something that doesn't feel good without being told to like they are just like no this feels and sometimes it's like why does that feel good like eating sand or something ridiculous but they're just like I'm exploring it feels great and and the thing that I have been realizing is like for me my soul gifts that I've uncovered and the things not even just the soul gifts but the things that fill my soul and fill my cup and 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 make me feel the best like just pure joy I realize the things that I have always, like since a child, loved to do, but through something or another, like one thing or another, societal conditioning or what have you, they fell, you know, to the wayside and, you know, I put them down and didn't pick them up. And now I'm kind of going, I feel like I'm just on a journey back to like my five-year-old self, like, And I think it's important to think about that because, you know, I I think we're always thinking, especially soul gift and purpose, we're thinking like future. We don't take the opportunity to go, okay, what has always fulfilled me? Like what what was something I did for the pure pleasure of it as a child or something that I've always been really gifted at? And that is just, yeah, like I think you just opened my eyes to that in an even like bigger way and um it's just so powerful so powerful and I think embodiment is something that I really want to dive into even deeper in this conversation because perhaps um people listening maybe uh haven't don't even know what embodiment is don't understand why it is like why you would do it. And I definitely know that I'm relatively new to embodiment and the idea of it and all of that sort of thing. 
So you mentioned that you're a bit of a brain nerd and I love that. And, and again, this isn't a scientific podcast, so it's fine to not have all of the answers, but I'd love to hear your perspective on like the, the, the power of embodiment and what embodiment can do for us and why embodiment, like, why is it important to have that as opposed to just talking and, and using our minds, which are beautiful tools, but why is it also important to bring in the body? And why is that something that you bring in with your clients, whether it's life coaching or business coaching? Oh, perfect. I love this question so much. And there's two kind of portions to this answer. So why, why just talking alone doesn't quite access all of the parts that we need to is from a scientific perspective. And as we just touched on, not a science podcast, not a, <laughs> not a, not a neuroscientist at all, but particularly for people that have experienced trauma, the part of the brain that really focuses on the dialogue. So that little, little tiny, tiny part of the brain that does dialogue will actually in so many cases become shut down when trauma is, it was, has happened in the body. Now that can be long-term. So when you ask somebody in like a cognitive sort of um, way, like a cognitive behavioral type way to, to speak to that trauma and to outline exactly what happened in that moment, two things will sometimes happen. They will go back into the trauma again and, and actually feel that into their body again or they won't actually be able to access that part of the brain to give you a description of it. So that's where embodiment is great because we can actually get into the sensations in the body and we can start to create some sort of autonomy again in the body. So I see this, you know, for so many women, because so many women have experienced trauma in one way or other, and in the world that we live in at the moment, most of us have been traumatised to a certain extent by events of the past little while, particularly the empaths, particularly the deep feelers of us, which is probably, you know, everybody that's listening to this podcast, right? So being able to create safety and autonomy in the body is really the, the line of access to be able to start healing trauma, to be able to heal the past, to be able to access a higher version of ourselves, to be able to get deeper into our soul gifts, all those sorts of things. So that is probably the first part of that answer to the question. And then from the second part, really we have this very ancient brain. So you will hear, you know, brain scientists talk about the reptilian brain, which is our, you know, our back brain. We don't, so we, we're still these ancient people, right, living in this modern world. And our life you know, many, many years ago when we were hunter-gatherer type cultures was very much around ritual and ceremony and there was a lot of dance and movement and singing and it was very natural, very sort of organic evolutionary kind of behaviour, right? There is not very much of that in our life now so we can feel very much kind of far removed from the roots of who we are. I'd like to give this example, right, of um, a, a woman who had a, a trauma that I knew very um, personally and the, the, 
process that she went through grieving over this trauma. And I like to think of how it took her, you know, really long time to be able to process that grief and that trauma because she wasn't able to access that deep primal part of her body. Now, if we look at that and we came to that situation as ancient people in a hunter-gatherer society, her sisters would have went out with her in that time of great trauma and grief and we'd have probably created some sort of ceremony to help her through that time. There would have been dance. There probably would have been crying and wailing and singing and, you know, all of those sorts of very natural things. That is exceptionally cathartic for us as individuals but for us as a collective to be able to move through that grief, that trauma, whatever it is. That doesn't happen now. We have very structured ways of grieving or moving through trauma or any of those things so it it often it stays stuck in the body because we're trying to do it from a cognitive standpoint and and again we can't always access that stuff so Mm. although running out into the streets now as a group of women and wailing and shrieking and dancing probably (laughs) we need to be able to create safe spaces where that can happen because we're still primal beings we still need to access that part of us to be able to transmute fear and grief and trauma and all that sort of stuff so yeah so I could just go down the rabbit hole with this it's so powerful and and the more I think about it and the more I dive into embodiment the more I realize how and obviously I can't speak for everyone but I can definitely speak from my own experience and just what I have been picking up on collectively, we're so disconnected from our bodies. And I think that comes from, I guess, the way we were raised or brought up, like, you know, even like talking about, you know, pleasure and sex and, and our bodies. And, and it, we get to a certain age where like, when we're children, we're just like, what is this meat suit that I am wearing? And like, kids are always touching themselves and like expressing their anger physically or like when they're happy, they're expressing it in the fullest like bodily form. And then there comes a point where it's like, you're too old to react like that. Like, or like, that's not something we do now, like stop it. And I think that what you're saying, like, yes, the primal, but even like looking at children of like how they experience and express their emotions. Like I have young, I'm the oldest of four siblings and my two younger siblings are significantly younger and watching them have like a tantrum. If they were let alone to just have a meltdown, it probably wouldn't last longer than maybe like a few minutes and they'd be completely fine. But when you try to like, be like, stop it, stop it like come out of it chill out it prolongs it like the suppression just prolongs it and obviously I don't have children so I can't begin to like pretend to understand the workings of toddlers but I just feel that's so true for like how we suppress our emotions in our body like you know we have these visceral experiences and reactions to certain things and emotions have their own feeling in your body And we let ourselves express them through talk, but we don't always allow ourselves to feel it. And I think that is what happens. It prolongs the feeling, the manifestation of that feeling in our bodies for longer. 
And I think it's so powerful, like what you were saying of just like letting it be ceremonial and detaching any shame. And like, if you've got shit, you need a release, let it out. Like, I, I think about the rise of popularity of those rooms that people can go to and just like take a bat to like things and break them. I think that has become so popular because there's this deep desire for us to express our anger or our rage in a, in a way that's not shameful and in a way that's not hurting anyone, right? It's like a permission to do that. And I think through embodiment like myself and, and you've been such a beautiful like inspiration for that as well is just to like move the emotions through the body and not to intellectualize it so much. Again, I can't speak for everyone, but I I tend to be very much in my mind a lot of the time. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling angry. Why? Let's, let's think, let's overthink this and let's get to the root through the thought. But then when I've dropped into embodiment practice, I've had the most profound experiences of like stepping back and going, oh my God, that's what that's about. I'm not actually mad about this thing. My body's showing me that I'm upset about something that happened years and years and years ago, right? Whereas my mind, like what you were saying, like sometimes our minds can't get to that place because our body keeps keeps the score, as is the title of that excellent book. <laughs> like our bodies keep the score and our brains sometimes forget. Like we, we let go of that memory because our brain can only hold so much, right? Oh, and I think it's... Yeah, I think it's so powerful and and thank you for for sharing that. So I think my next question is how do we move from a place of this disconnect from our bodies to actually incorporating movement and embodiment into our lives? So I'm sure like some people listening might be like, cool, awesome. What is like, I know what embodiment is, but how do I do it? Like, what does it look like? how do I tangibly do it? And like, yeah, just if you have any advice or tips or practices for people to start, because I think like maybe some might see the beautiful work that you do, like completely embodied, like beautiful in the wilderness, like bared all completely nude, just like, oh, (laughs) and might be at the point where they're not even confident enough to like be embodied in front of themselves let alone the world what would you say to someone who's wanting to explore embodiment and how would you advise them on getting started yeah that's a really good question because we we're all here we're kind of all on show right like we are even when we're going to the supermarket we're on show when you know we're going into the chemist we're on show when everything is you know, it's almost like everything is kind of make-believe sometimes. I know that sounds very much in the matrix, but it it does feel like that. So I think being able to get, get out of your head and get back into your body in some way or other is the first way of doing that. And, again, it sort of comes back to joy and to pleasure and really 
it doesn't have to look like anything very complicated sometimes. Now, in the work that I do with women, it's, you know, sometimes it's breath work and sometimes it's moving meditation and it's all of these sorts of things. And that's great if you've got somebody guiding you and talking you through it and going, okay, well, now I want you to feel into this part of your body and I want you to sit with this emotional sensation. That's great. But if you're just trying to practice it at home and get out of your body, then I'm just telling people, put music on, turn the television off. Put music on. What does the music make you feel? What does that evoke in your body? What does your body want to do then when you, even the non-dancers in this, you know, like none of us are dancers. What is that even anyway? But like what does your body want to do when you hear that music? Cooking dinner with your family, telly off, music on. Everybody's dancing in the kitchen or, you know, like that all sounds very, you know, romanticised, I know, but just Getting, yeah, getting the distractions out and coming back to, you know, to you and to the immediate sort of moment is like really powerful. And whether or not you're a meditator or deeply into mindfulness or not, just finding a way to be able to sink into that moment. To me, embodiment is this like connection of your whole being, mind, body and spirit. So it's being able to find a way to to embody that whole being, right, to be able to connect all parts of you, Um, even the parts we don't like. You know, that's where shadow work can actually be really fun, you know, because it's, as I say to some of the women that I work with, it's not like, oh, my God, what am I going to uncover? It's like, oh, my God, what am I going to (laughs) uncover? Yes. What am I going to uncover when I start diving into this? But, yeah, start small. Like, yeah, like I said, start small. Put music on. Get Just get comfortable with your body. Touch your body. Feel your body. I love the idea of having, like, a sensual shower. Turn the lights Mm. off, light a candle, wash your body. And instead of just, like, washing and getting out of the shower, like, what does my skin feel like, you know? What does the soap smell like? What does this feel like when I, you know, all of that. It's just beautiful, particularly for women that have had trauma in their body, particularly for women that have had any body dysmorphia or any disconnect with their body. It can be a really difficult place to start to try and connect with this part of yourself that you have been deeply disconnected from. So starting small, creating safety, You know, that's why embodiment in your own home is really beautiful because you're in your safe space, you know, create a safe space in your environment, create a safe space in your body. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's going to be so helpful. I know for me, but also for so many listening, I also feel like you express, like, it doesn't have to look like anything. And that's the most important thing. In fact, the embodiment practices that I've done, whether they've been guided or self-guided, a lot of the time it's eyes closed and it's completely in the body, not looking at how it looks or, or thinking about how it looks. It's just completely being in the body. And I think that's a big hurdle to overcome. It was for me anyway, because we're, like you said, we're always on show, right? And we're always thinking about how we look and, you know, how people are perceiving us. So to step into a space where there is none of that is completely 
powerful, but can be a, a great place of discomfort. And I think that's important, right? It's like meeting an edge. And one thing that I loved that you said is like putting on a song and just moving. That's become one of my favorite practices. And, and something that I want to speak to with that is also putting on a song that resonates with how you're feeling, right? Because we can be in like the throes of like a depressive state or like feeling rageful and put on like a happy boppy song and try to like perk ourselves up to it. And, and that whole like high vibe, like no low vibes, none of that. And like trying to consistently raise our vibe. Like I'm definitely guilty of that. I'm like, I won't listen to sad music because it will make me sad. But I found such power in being like, like the other night, for example, I couldn't sleep. Nothing was wrong. Like I was not upset about anything, but I just felt very heavy and I couldn't sleep. So I got up. I was like, I feel like I need to move. And instead of going, I'm going to meditate and have positive affirmations. I'm like, I need to move this. I put on Adele's new song and I just let loose. And oh my God, that was just so powerful because it allowed that release of that emotion rather than the suppression. And I think that's a key piece of like, if you're feeling angry, put on a song that allows you to feel fucking angry and let it out. Let your movement express that emotion. If you're feeling happy and in love, like do that, put on a song that makes you happy cry and feel so blissful. But I think we've been told that there are like good and bad emotions, which I don't believe is true whatsoever. So I think we're very comfortable embracing and embodying the positive air quotes, you know, emotions of happiness, bliss, joy, all that sort of stuff. But anger, rage, sadness, jealousy, we almost feel like we have to put that away and not let that be felt or, or fuel that by, you know, listening to stuff that makes us feel like that. Yeah. I think the opposite's true. I think leaning into that is, is so powerful. Oh, it really is. And in fact, it's probably the way that I first started coming back to myself and really started to uncover, you know, embodiment in my own life was going through that, that real darkness that I went through. Mm. And same thing, I had a playlist for every occasion. And I look back through my Spotify playlist now and I've still got these, you know, and some of the titles of these playlists are pretty dark, let me tell you. But they were all my songs. So I had a collection of songs of like, if you are feeling really, really dark and this is how you want to, you know, move through this, this is the, the playlist that you put on. And then I had some other ones that were happy and boppy and mm. it's so important. And people say you don't don't want to stay feeling like that no you don't of course we don't want to stay in this darkness or a depression or any of those states long term but guaranteed if you don't feel it if you don't allow yourself to be able to be in that then you can't move through it onto the next thing and I love that sense that really that concept of being able to transmute so it's not even like you're just going from being sad to happy it's being able to harness that energy and then go, wow, this is what I found out about me in this time. And now I can go on to the next bit. It's not like this one minute I'm sad and one minute I'm happy. It's this like little evolution. Yeah. And you touched on that whole toxic positivity thing. And it's something that really, um, yeah, I struggle with the whole high vibes, you know, thing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm loving seeing now that there are so many practitioners and space keepers that are coming into this 
into this zone, into this space with such authenticity and being an advocate for shadow work and being an advocate for the fact that, yeah, there's, there's much to be learned in that darkness, in that shadow, if not more than there is in all of the other stuff. It's so important. If we're running around telling everybody to be up here all the time and good vibes only, then we aren't validating people's actual feelings, you know? Mm. What was that? I read that beautiful, um, I actually think it's a Desmond Tutu quote and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but it goes something along the line of if we're just fishing people out of the river, like what are we doing? We need to go up the river and see why they're jumping in. Mm. And if we're just like, if we're just glossing over people's feelings all the time, like, oh, you're all right, it'll get better, don't worry, chin up, you know, yeah. small fish in the sea or whatever, you know, we're not... <laughs> We're not actually acknowledging, well, you know, it's not the breakup or it's not the, you know, the loss of the job or whatever. There is a deeper, you know, interconnected emotion and feeling and sensation in the body. Let's look at that. Let's work through that. Let's feel it. And then what happens after that? I love that so much. That's such a beautiful, paraphrased or not, such a beautiful concept and and quote. And, yeah, I, I, I feel like too I I read something the other day and it was like our our trauma and when I say trauma I also want to like note here too because I used to think of trauma as something earth shattering like like a extreme you know abuse or or something horrific like big big you know capital T trauma and I've I started reading um Dr Nicole I can't remember her last name, but Herrera. Yes, 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 yes. What is that book called? You can uh, doing the work, do the work, something the work. Yes, <laughs> I can't remember the title, but it's so powerful. And and she talks about that everyone has trauma. That like trauma can be you being told that by like a bully that you're not good enough once that's enough right so like we all have traumas and science has proven that trauma literally changes how our brains are wired trauma changes how we experience certain emotions and how we feel safe in our body and our nervous system so when you tell someone or don't think of it like that or let's let's reframe it but without acknowledging and really getting to the root like you're saying of of where is this living within your body like how can we alchemize that heal that move that and honor that while also reframing and rebuilding if we don't do that we're just dismissing people's experiences and it's kind of like a slap in the face i think of like oh we'll just don't do that <laughs> Like you wouldn't tell a like severe drug addict, like someone who has really, really struggled with addiction, which mm-hmm. I have known someone like that in my life who I hold very dear. And and people I remember used to say to her all the time, like, just stop, like, just mm-hmm. stop doing it. And she's like, well, that's super helpful. Never thought of that. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I, I think there is such a, a common thread of, of spiritual bypassing of toxic positivity. And I think it's beautiful to see now, like you said, practitioners stepping into the space of really knowing that the shadow isn't something to be feared. It's this beautiful space where we can really meet ourselves. Like fucking hell, shadow work has been some of the most amazing 
work I've ever done and definitely more potent and powerful than just like loving myself for the bits that are easy to love, right? So. Absolutely. So, yeah, so many yeses to all of that. Yeah. And I love, you know, we were touching on the trauma situation and everybody has trauma and it's really interesting because it does change the the physiology and the structure of our body. It's when you start to look at this from a body-based, science-based way, it's really interesting what long-term unhealed and sometimes suppressed trauma will do in our bodies in creating disease and so many. It can be a catalyst for so many long-term problems, not just emotionally but physically. The thing is, and I, I work with women all the time who say, oh, well, you know, this thing happened to me, but it's it's not the worst thing that ever happened. And I'm sure there's lots of other people that that have had worse experiences. And, you know, like I, I get that. And we touched on this before we came on air a little bit, you know, like, yes, it's very gracious of us to go that other people are suffering as well too, but that's not going to help our own healing. Like, yes, gratitude's a great space to come from and say, yeah, I'm yeah. really grateful. I'm not in this place or that place. But really, we don't decide on what the trauma is. The body decides on what the trauma is. And we don't often know this until we've been met with a trigger. And and again, we talked about this, we touched on this before, is it like triggers to me are like I think it's great to be able to acknowledge that we're going to discuss something and there's a potential trigger in there. But if we feel triggered, then there is often a space where we can dive deeper into our own growth and healing, you know, and that's always going to be there. There's always going to be, it might bristle us a little bit. It might, you know, something might come up, bubble up. We might want to relive a particular situation and that's an opportunity to dive, to dive deeper, you know, a little bit. Yeah. So true. So true. I will note, I might edit this part out the people who mow the lawns at my house have just arrived. So whippersnippering is happening around me right now. (laughs) I just was like, oh shit. As you were talking, I was like, this is so beautiful, but oh my God. So I don't know if you could hear it, but I'm going to like clap and edit that section out. But okay. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't hear it. I'm I'm glad. Hyper aware that my chair is really squeaky. So I'm trying not to move. I hope that doesn't come up. That's so fine. That's so fine. But I'm just going to do this so that I know what to edit out. But yeah, I think it's so interesting, that concept of like our body keeps the trauma, our body holds the trauma. We didn't decide consciously, like our brain didn't go, I'm going to keep this tidbit and it's going to rule my life and be something that shows up in all of my relationships. It's just something that happens, right? Like it's a very primal response of like, we've witnessed something that has threatened our safety or our perception of safety, our perception of love, our perception of our value. And it's stored as like a survival mechanism in our body, right? It's not something that we consciously chose. And so I think that the way of looking at that then is like, well, how could we then consciously decide to not feel that way? Like if our body decided it, our body has to move through it. Right. And it's so powerful. I think, yeah, it's, it's coming, becoming more common, I think, people diving into body work and, and healing modalities, whether it be embodiment or other body-based practices. And I think it's really 
the way of the future. Like I think we've reached this tipping point in our society where no longer can we continue the way we've continued that we've been going. And yeah, I just think you are such a beautiful leader in this space to guide people back to their bodies and back to their truth and, and all of that. And I think you do such amazing work. Um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how people can work with you. What are some things that you offer? How can people experience this magic? And if there's people listening that are like, awesome, I want to do that, but I want to be guided. How can people work with you? What are some things that you're offering at the moment? Yeah. So there's lots of different, thank you for asking firstly, but there are lots of different ways um, that you can work with me. And probably the best way to connect with me is over on Instagram. That's the platform that I feel most at home and comfortable with. So I share a lot over there, not just about the work that I'm doing, but my own personal thoughts on the world and, you know, all sorts of things about embodiment and growth and all of that luscious stuff that we've been talking about. So I do a few different group programs. Um, there's a couple of those in the mix at the moment. Um, and then I also work with people one-on-one in, you know, in settings where they can continue through for sort of eight to 12 weeks or just do one-on-one standalone sessions. Um, I do trauma release sessions as well too. So that's like a moving meditation where we just meet as a one-off session over Zoom and we literally move through whatever it is that is holding you back anything that you're holding on to and we kind of take that and transmute it and move literally through it so that's a, a fun way but yeah on my website there is a list of all of the different services and offerings and programs and things that I do. Thank you for sharing everything that you offer those trauma release sessions was something I didn't even know that you did so that's really really powerful and I'm super intrigued for myself but I also think that's something that like how beautiful that we live in a world where there's people around us that do this sort of work and that we have access to that. So I think that's incredible. And I encourage everyone, yeah, to go to She Woke on Instagram and follow Dan. It's a beautiful space to be in. You create such a safe and and sacred space online and it's just a joy to be able to witness you and all you do and also just be a part of your community, that in itself is empowering. Like whether people choose to work with you or not, like just being in your field is epic. Um, so if you don't follow Dan already, definitely do. You will not regret it. Um, but this has been so powerful and potent, my love, and I'm just so grateful for you for taking the time to chat with me about all of the things um I'm sure we'll do another one of these at some point because like every time Dan and I sit down to talk we could we could honestly talk for hours like even pre like pressing record we were like having such a beautiful conversation that we were like okay we've got to actually (laughs) we've got to actually do what we came here to do um so thank you my love it's just such a joy to to talk with you about these things and your passion really does shine through in the way that you speak about these things. And I'm sure that there's going to be so many nuggets of wisdom. Um, yeah, you're just so epic and I'm just so appreciative to have this opportunity to chat with you. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. I love, as I said at the start, 
we always have these beautiful, juicy conversations, so full of all of the things that I'm just, yeah, I feel truly honoured to be here and chat with you. So thank you. Beautiful. One thing I do want to ask you just before we go, and it's something that I want to make a point of asking all of the guests that come on my podcast, as this podcast is titled Embolden, and embolden meaning to give confidence and courage to exude that. I want to ask you, what makes you feel emboldened? Oh, well, to me, I think to have that sense of being bold and vibrant and it's really about speaking my truth and not mm. trying to filter myself um, not trying to filter myself in the way I present to the world physically or in what I offer. So it's just really being the most radically unapologetic, authentic version of me and then continuing to roll with that because it's going to grow and change that, that version of me but continue to roll with that in the hopes that other people see it too and go fuck yes mm. yes I'll have a little bit of that for myself. yeah I'm going to step into that place too mm. of just being me that is emboldening other people through your own emboldenment <laughs> I love that so much thank you that's such a beautiful response and um as I said before, it's been such a joy. If you don't follow Dan already, head over to She Woke on Instagram. I'll put all of the details in the show notes. So all the links for anything that you've got coming up um, will be there for you guys to access um, so that you can be in the magical realm of Dan and her essence. Um, but thank you, my love, for um, being with us today. And I can't wait to connect with you again, I'm sure, very, very soon. Thank you. If this episode has served you in any way, I invite you to leave a review of this podcast. Please also share this episode with your friends on social media and don't forget to tag me at Jala underscore collective on Instagram. I love seeing where you guys are listening from, what episodes you're loving and your main takeaways. In doing all of this, you will not only be making my day, but also helping me get this podcast out to embolden as many people as possible. I am so grateful for your love, support, and for you taking the time to be with me today. I will see you so soon in the next episode of Embolden the Podcast with Jess Carreri. Thank you for listening.